You're listening to the Legendarium Blue Team. Welcome. You have chosen wisely. Please go to patreon.com slash legendarium to support the show. With respect to uh, the question that was asked on Discord about Naked Harry versus Fix being the best fight in the book, (laughs) Harry versus Kringle, I was living for this. Welcome to the Legendarium. We are the blue team and we are here to talk about Dresden. Uh, I don't know about the rest of you guys, but I'm pretty stoked about this book. This was a lot of fun. And, yeah, it was. And this one, I think I finished before either of the two of you. It's a miracle. <laughs> it was pretty cool. I'm Todd <laughs> Wenty, uh, hosting the Blue Team. We've got Ken Johnson. We've got Megan Smythe. And we've got Walter the Cat, but Walter's probably not going to say much while we're here. For what it's worth, I went out of town twice and tried to read while I went, and that didn't work out at all. So. Why are you trying to come up with an excuse now, Ken? I'm just saying. <laughs> For what it's worth, I read all of it in the last week, and it was so fun to read all of it in a week and not have it all spaced out. I remember right? what happened at the beginning still. Nice. This is, I actually went back and started re-listening to it uh, and listened to about half the book last night. Oh, fun. Uh, so I I also am at a point where I remember lots of things that normally, lots of details, lots of small details that a lot of times we generally leave alone. However, the way that things go with uh, the way that we do these books, we'll probably leave a lot of those details alone anyway as we try and dig into what's going on. Sorry. Those of you that have been with us for a long time, you know the you know all the ho- housekeeping stuff. We've had somebody reach out to us on email to yeah. engage with us. So that was really cool. Legendarium.com. Uh, and then we've also got our, our other methods of contact, Discord and Reddit and and Patreon. We love to engage with you wherever you can engage with us and we'll try to engage back as much as we can. We do our best. Speaking of yeah, doing we do, our best. We do some. Well, there's, it depends <laughs> we on the night. Some. We do. I got, on a, I got on a pretty interesting chat on Discord the other day about the value of the Star Trek series and the, <gasps> the original series and the next generation. It was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. Good. My wife was like, "Why? who are you texting at the middle of the night? And I said, Jake from State Farm. She didn't <laughs> think that was funny. <laughs> I thought it was better, though, than telling her uh, so-and-so from the Discord channel because that would have gotten me in trouble. Yeah. Ken. We all know DS9 was the best. It was. So you know what DS9 had and what Star Trek in general had that now we get to experience in Dresden World? Time travel. Aliens. And Uh, aliens. I'm certainly thinking time travel. In (laughs) fact, I can't wait to have a conversation about time travel. Ken, you're going to hate it. Fortunately, it doesn't pop up very much. And I certainly was more worried about it than I ended up being by the end of the book. So that's all good. But be that as it may, Harry is fit as a fiddle and ready for love. And now that Mab and Demon Reach have saved him from deathing prematurely and denying the Winter Queen the blunt object she's wanted for oh so long... If he can survive integration into the new corporate structure, which is like taking a new job with a team full of sugared up badgers tripping on meth, only less well-mannered. He's all shiny and new and ready ready for the first job as Mab's club arm, namely whacking her own daughter Maeve. Because the Winter Lady is crazy, we knew that, and she's infested with some deeply dark evil with some darkness with a super cool name that I'm not going to say because I don't want to get eaten, but it shares the name of a Star Trek movie and also an Expanse book. 
And she's <laughs> apparently had 10 years to poison the insecurities and resentments of Lily, the summer lady, her counterpart, unwittingly recruiting her into Maeve's big pan of crazy. It also gives us our inevitable... That wasn't a typo, by the way. I thought it was at first. It's not plan of crazy. No, it was a pan, pan of crazy. Of crazy. Yeah. Oh, I like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It also gives us our inevitable stand against Fix, his summer counterpart, whose main job as summer night is pretty much just keeping the winter night from collecting scalps and becoming Lloyd Slate on steroids. <laughs> Let's call all of this book really what it is. It's an in-depth functional analysis of the true nature and administrative workings of summer and winter with explosions. Turns out that fake courts are just two symbiotic sides of the same team fighting to keep the outsiders from coming inside. Winter focuses on the bad guys, while summer pretty much keeps winter from becoming the bad guys. But that's only one problem. That's just not enough for a Dresden book. Something is funneling massive gobs of energy into demon reach, and when it turns out it's an evil being forced, or which it turns out demon reach is an evil being forced boarding house constructed by the Merlin, the Merlin. Yep. A millionish years ago or so, for a half dozen skinwalkers, you remember them, and their big brothers, and their big, big brothers in a big demon prison. Lest all that energy release in the worst of the worst ways and leave a gigantic Midwest-sized crater of magical fallout, Harry's right there. And while the Earl King and the Wild Hunt finally make good on his vengeance pact to track down and hunt Harry, all this happening on Halloween. So the best way to stand against the outsider onslaught and stop the hunt and fight off Armageddon is to call in reinforcements like Team Harry, count them with me here, and the White Court and the Valkyrie and fix his summer counterpart after a really interesting, quote, sword fight <clears throat> of sorts. <laughs> yeah. And the entirety of the freaking wild hunt. I guess that's what you get when you put one in the Earl King and then lay a beat down on Santa Claus. Yeah. So, <laughs> so he's only got four minutes to save the world and he's hooking up the magics and energies and celestial force boxcars and making them function, you know, because he's a conjunction. You uh, caught that? Yeah. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. And that's how he functions. To set right the crazy discord between winter and summer, rally the Fey troops against outsider encroachers, but it's all cool because Odin reassures him that he's already done it, so yay, time travel. <laughs> <laughs> so now we have a major corporate shakeup in winter and summer at the time when outsiders have seriously ramped up their efforts to bust down the door. The super cool wizard with newfound respect is holding the door closed, and Double Warden Dresden is now standing on the most gigantic magical WMD charged with keeping it locked up. But at least we now know why Harry's been having headaches for the last few books. Right. Right. And, you know, there's been a major shakeup in the corporate structure of summer and winter. We'll get into that. Major. Too. Yeah. And if you're keeping score at home, this is for discussion here. Harry has become the Winter Knight, the Warden of Demon Reach. He's led the Wild Hunt. He's wielded Hellfire and Soulfire, whooped two outsiders. He's been called Starborn by a couple of big hitters. And uh, he's come a long way from, you know, searching for missing jewelry and such. Yeah. 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 Question. And finding trolls underneath bridges. Yeah. yeah. I've, got, I've got questions too, but I feel like, you know, we're, we'll get into those. But uh, remember, no matter how much circumlocution you do with your formulae, two plus two does not equal five, except maybe on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. The, or, or on Demon Reach. On Halloween, yeah. when spoken by Maeve. Good oh, heavens. Three cheers so for that much. recap. Hip, hip, hip. Hooray. Hip, hip, hip. Hooray. <laughs> hip, hip, Hooray. Yeah, I, I'll tell you what, Ken. You are a master of the recap. And anybody who disagrees Is can wrong. disagree. Well, they uh, can, they disagree. can disagree, but that doesn't necessarily mean we're going to pay attention. I do want to start out with one question from the Discord, though, from Correct Sandwich Opinion. Oh. I love that Online name. names are the best. 
even with everything that happened in Ghost Story, do you now understand why we all think that it's a dip in the pace for the series? Why Ghost Story is a dip in pace for the series? Because this one yes. gets there and just starts yes. going yeah. and going and going and more and more and bigger. The setting, everything is bigger in this book. I mean, we are a long ways from Stormfront and Full Moon, you know. No. We are. And uh, I I understand I understand where they're coming from. I'm I'm not sure we ever really disagreed that it was a dip in pace. Uh, but I think we I think as we talked about it last time, we weren't saying that it was necessarily the weakest of the series. Oh, I said I didn't like it. Oh, okay. <laughs> I wasn't I wasn't a huge fan, like especially because the first half I just felt like there was this huge slowdown where it was like, okay, now Harry thinks he's a ghost, and so we have to learn about the ghost world. And how that works, and everybody's depressed, and now we can have some action. Okay, that's fine. So it was really nice to yeah. come back to this. And I mean, everything's not normal, but it was back to the same. We're like right at the beginning, things start with a bang, and they just keep getting crazier and crazier and crazier. And that's kind of what I love about it. Although I did think it was a little bit odd that like everybody in his life who he was so concerned, he's like, oh no, but Murphy, oh no, but Molly, oh no, but Thomas. And they all just kind of took his not being dead in stride. And they're like, oh, okay. Well, we can talk about that later or not. Whatever. What do you need? It's cool. Yeah, It's cool. I was Jump on my motorcycle. I was a little worried at first. Mostly, I don't want to say for your benefit, Megan, but because one of your chief complaints of Ghost Story was it felt like we just spent a whole third of a book going, okay, and this is how the spirit world works and blah, blah, blah. Yes. And now we're all into introduction-y stuff again. And that was boring. And here I thought we were going to end up with a bunch of this is how working in the world of Fae works. And I, I was worried that just like you were thinking in Ghost Story, it was going to yeah. end up being boring. And it doesn't take long for it to get not boring. I mean, when no, you go when, to birthday parties, yeah. where when big you, things want to kill spend, you. When you spend barely a chapter and a half on 12 weeks of rehabilitation mm -hmm. and uh, attempted murder on no. a daily basis, then you kind of say to yourself, okay, well, obviously, he decided that the pacing was something he wanted to to deal with differently. Yeah. Um. I find them. I find them different. Uh. And I find this one really entertaining, mostly because for me, one of the things that I try to watch is how long Harry really has on his little adventures. This one, once it finally gets boiling, is less than thirty six hours. Yeah, day and yeah. a half. It's like okay. Well, we're not wasting any time. No, and neither does anybody else. Yeah. Really, really fun. A, a fun roller coaster yeah. ride, to borrow a yeah. mention from Harry and yeah. his uh, gravesite, what he thinks should be on his gravesite. Yeah. I do appreciate that they said more than once that Harry was not dead. Was not completely right. dead in Ghost Story. Just going to say it one more time. I was right. Yeah, Harry was not okay. dead. You were right. You were right. And now I will stop. Thank you for saying I was right. And you're. I needed to hear it. Congratulations. Thank you. You were right. Thank you. You done now? Yes. Okay. Thank you. I appreciate That's he's, all he's I very, needed. I he's very stop. much alive now. I got a kick out of the fact, uh, Ken, you were talking about, uh, about the two worlds of fairy being two sides of the same coin. Uh, and this book being an opportunity to kind of explore those or two sides of the, of the, same kind of uh two sides of a of an issue yeah. that they keep each other in balance there's another piece that i want to explore with this a little bit later on but i'm going to leave that as a tease and mm -hmm. let's talk about a whole bunch of other stuff first and okay. we'll come back to that remind me that's the last thing that i want to talk about when okay. we finish okay what who do we think mac is i have no idea 
<laughs> is that why you so were going I with aliens? Know what you think? <laughs> you think he's an alien? Um, oh, that hadn't occurred to me. I don't know, but Maeve has this comment where like she shoots him in the gut and it's like, this should be familiar. Bang. And I'm like, what? Oh, yeah. Is there a historical figure that like gets killed a lot? He was also called by the first outsider that they met, Watcher. Yeah. Yeah. Now, if I were a Marvel comic enthusiast, oh, that's right, I am. I would say that the Watchers are uh, celestial beings who watch everything but are committed to not taking part in anything that is going on. Right. But they see all of the threads of the multiverse and they can tug on them appropriately and point people in correct directions. Now, I'm not saying that Jim Butcher's pulling a page out of Marvel because that might be copyright infringement. But Stan Lee, bless his heart, probably read, Jack, probably read these Butcher novels before he passed away. And so he would have been OK with it. But... If the connotation of Watcher, there's another place where we see Watchers show up, and that was in the very interestingly shot and filmed Highlander television series, which a lot of people hated and a lot of people liked. And I, they, I liked it. You remember the Watchers oh, yeah. there too? Yeah. The idea that there are people who are responsible for, uh, for observing all of the conflicts that are going on around them on a grand scale, mm -hmm. but never being involved, makes me wonder if... Mac is somehow involved with some secret group of extremely long-lived but earth-bound changelings. Like Guinan? Hmm. Uh, or like Sarissa before she became sure. a she. If, oh, if perhaps Mac, Mac, fairy. Mac if be, perhaps yeah. Mac is a changeling, one of the oldest changelings, and he gets to live. Watching the fairy and being, and this maybe this is one of the reasons why Max Barr is a, a place neutral of territory. a place of neutral territory in the NCAA Accords. So good, and why those lemonade chips that he makes during the summertime? Oh, I forgot about those. Yeah. <laughs> what have been doing all summer? I, I I wonder why weren't you making lemonade chips? Why? I wonder. I, I wonder what Max's connection to the magical world is. But the more as I've thought about that a little bit over the last little while, I'm starting to think, well, that could be that could be one. Somebody out there is probably saying, yeah, we don't know yet, and somebody probably has read stuff and says, ha, 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 I know what it is. <laughs> but I have a feeling it is somewhere in the neighborhood of he is a, a fairy, a, a fae of some kind who elected to step out. I yeah. mean, he even says it at the end of this book. I'm out. Or yeah. he says, what are you? Out. I'm out. Yeah. That's, you know, all, all you mean? get. It means he's out. <laughs> <laughs> so, but it sounds like he's going to end up going back to his accorded neutral territory and continue serving up steak sandwiches and, and ale, which is good. Absolutely. That would have been sad if he was out and totally disappeared. Yeah. You know, It also sounds to me like he is a known entity to all of these other big players which we kind of got the feeling of well, before if, didn't if people we meet if he's like the you know neutral ground in their area a lot of people would go to that bar so i would imagine he would meet a lot of people mm -hmm. but there's a difference between being known and being a known player right and 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 that's what i that's what i think is that there's a, there's the distinction everybody knows max even people with minor talent, no max. Mm -hmm. But these are heavy hitters, outsiders, the she, the nobles of the she. There's something more going on here and there's something that is not being told. And again, I think we're finding a situation where 
and you remember when we when we first started going into the world of Dresden, neophytes that we were, reading these things and saying, oh, I wonder what else is in here. Mm-hmm. I wonder what else could be happening. Follow the yellow brick road. Um, we were never munchkins. But, you know, it's kind of, I look back and I think sometimes we were looking at things. I, I'm looking back now and saying, let's see, he gets to Chicago. He knows Max. He spends a lot of time at Max. I wonder if Mac is there for Harry. Is he charged with a responsibility for looking out for Harry? Which lines up with another aspect, another uh, Watcher reference that I went to, that of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And Watchers who show up to train or to guide or to... Yeah. Maybe it's a little more hands-off than that. Maybe it's more along the lines of the Watchers from Highlander, but still. Uh, the, The interesting thing, though, is that as this has continued on, all of us were saying at the very beginning, well, I think I think all of us were saying this at the very beginning, we sure hope we get to learn more about Mac. Yeah, we were all saying that. And as, the books, have, as the books have evolved, you know, we grab these little pieces along the way, these little breadcrumbs. And now we're starting to see, oh my goodness, maybe there's a lot more breadcrumbs to fall before we really get a clue as to who Mac really is. Well, and as we know, names are important. So I kind of wonder if his name is going to be important. Speaking of other important names, the gatekeeper. Oh, look at this. Do you see that? Do you see that transition? I know. Wow. I'm amazing. You are amazing. Uh, I was so happy we finally got to find out what the heck that meant. And yeah. poor Harry, like, now knows what's in store. And, you know, the summer crone was telling Harry, you know, once you see this, you can't unknow it. Yes. Are you really ready for this? And he's like, I mean, am I ready for anything? Yeah. I don't know. Let's find out. Um, Which I loved his interaction with both of the the summer. They're not. What, what, what were they called? I don't know. The old ladies. The summer. Old, <laughs> summer hags. Old mother summer and old mother winter. Yeah, yeah sure. <laughs> I think I think, it, I think it was mother, iron teeth. And... I think it was mother summer and mother winter. But yeah. anyway, his interaction with both yeah. of them. It's just so much fun. And I like I like the once in, never out aspect of her conversation with him. Like uh, you're not this is not something you walk away from. You're in, you're in. And which basically at that moment said, Okay, he's gonna continue as the winter night in yeah. some capacity or at least in some capacity of yeah. winter for a while. Well it sounds and, like and the fact that now the gatekeeper is has been revealed to be involved with protecting the mortal realm mm-hmm. against all yeah. of these outsiders with the with the winter court i wonder if that now gives harry a level of legitimacy for his choice as the winter knight with the white council that he didn't know he was going to be able well, to Well but even the white on. council doesn't seem to know a whole lot about the outer gates or the battle that's going on Well i think it does several things it, 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 at least it, it indicated several things to me that's one the white council knows enough Mm -hmm. to know that they've sent one of their most powerful wizards to be actually aligned with the winter court and actively involved in in the keeping the gate for lack of a better term so we know that the winter court or the white council is aware of what's going on we know that the winter court must not be nearly as bad as we've kind of in our limited scope Mm -hmm looked at them to be because the white council will ally themselves with them. And also it's kind of understood. It's kind of explained. They're the blunt object. They're the, the first line of defense. So yeah, they're going to be a little bit like that, but it also shows Harry that he has a legitimate ally. One more new legitimate ally on the senior Mm -hmm. council. Yeah. 
I, I wonder I wonder if it's not so much the white council that knows all about the 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 gatekeeper's responsibilities, but the senior council. Right. That is that is aware of this. And which, that's true. It's kind of a need to know basis. Which he's exactly. suddenly suddenly gaining a lot of allies on. Not only is he gaining a lot of allies, but it looks like he's also gaining tremendous and and his team are gaining tremendous respect with the rest of the wardens. Mm-hmm. Uh, I loved the re- the mention that was made that pretty much Ramirez is leaving Chicago alone. Yeah. Because Molly seems to be handling everything okay. And oh, the problem with Molly, there is no problem with Molly. I'm sorry, I didn't understand what you just said. I'm too busy over here right. in the rest of the country yeah. handling stuff. I- I'm really impressed at the way that the interaction with Harry, with these different characters, mm-hmm. has uh, Jim Butcher has allowed in his writing for them to have long-standing consequences of trust and a cooperation. Yeah, um, I think not that the that one ever that, has bad prop consequences. Oh, no, never. The one that stands out most to me is Murphy, and how you really see how I saw it in this book that she really is. Uh, I don't know how to put this, but like she really is an equal to him, like as much as a non-wizard can be. Um, where she is just right along with him. And they even have that conversation at the end where she's like, please don't go to hell because I'm going to go with you because I'm by your side and I'm going to support you no matter what. I yeah. have your back. And it was like, it was just such a beautiful moment. And I was just like, Murphy, because I've been saying it for a long time. Like Harry is the enforcer of the supernatural world. And Murphy has been the enforcer of, you know, Chicago as a policeman. And now she doesn't have that job anymore. And it's like, well, then I'm just going to support Harry because this is actually really what needs to happen because the regular police people don't know what's going on. And she stands toe-to-toe with Harry. One of the things that she does, Thomas does, mm-hmm. even Molly, in her way, as we move through this book, does. Mm-hmm. They all challenge Harry, and they do it from a position of equals. In some of the past books, Harry has really kind of been... and. I love Harry. I, I I love some of the ways that he approaches things. But let's be completely honest. Harry's kind of a jerk to yeah. most of yeah. his posse when it comes to making sure that they understand what they're getting themselves into. Which Over- half the time he doesn't tell them. And so I love that in this book, he makes the conscious choice, at least with Molly. Like we hear him have the thoughts in his head where he's like, ooh, should I tell her? But no, she really does need to know. And he actually tells her everything. And it hasn't been that long since he was willing to keep information from people to try to keep them safe. And he realizes that that is not actually keeping people safe. I love, I love that that is a a piece Mm -hmm. that Butcher is exploring in this, that ignorance never keeps people safe. Yeah. It makes them dangerous because it prevents them from being able to respond appropriately to threats or situations, consequences that they may have to deal with. And and each one of these individuals, their relationships with Harry change in this book a little bit mm-hmm. because Harry lets them in completely yeah. on what is going on. Well, nearly completely. There are a couple of things that he keeps uh, that he keeps a little bit quiet, but gives gives enough information that there's a context Mm -hmm. and it's shared much more freely and much more openly making these people equals making them truly partners in all of these activities that he's involved in it's a powerful choice that harry makes and i think it bodes well for some really interesting conversations and some really interesting interactions in the next couple of books i would agree i think by the way i think karen gets a job 
not like a, a civilian job, but I think she gets a, a job in the supernatural community of some fashion because she is too fiercely independent to be someone's dame. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. yeah. She's not, she's not, I'm whatever Harry does. I'm going along with it. Cause I'm Harry's girlfriend or whatever. She's, she's Karen freaking Murphy. You know, she does her own thing and, and kind of where she is right now. I don't see her wielding a sword. No, I don't think she ever will either, but I would, I like, there was a point when I wanted her to, but I think everything that she's been through in the last 18 months with, you know, Harry dying and then the FOMOR and now he's been, like, there's just too much going on. I, I don't think she's in that mindset where she, I see although her. she does have that wonderful moment where Harry's like, can we take the swords to demon reach? And she's, that's not what the swords are for. That's not a good idea. Yeah. I I wielded a sword. Pr- trust me. Like, remember the last time we took the swords that did not turn out well. That's what the sword, that's not what the swords are for right now. I Which wonder... I thought was amazing that she was so in tune with them. And so now she is the one. Yeah. She's the wielder of the swords. swords. I found the swords. I'll take care of them. Yeah. Harry's like, no, that's my responsibility. And she said, no, it was. Yeah. Yeah. Now I'll take care of it. And I think that's absolutely. And, and maybe that's, maybe that's the calling. I mean, keeper of the swords seems like a pretty big deal to me. Yeah. Well, and I, but I, I have to, I have to say, I think that there's still an opportunity for Karen to step into that role. I wouldn't be surprised by it. I wouldn't. And quite frankly, I also wouldn't be surprised if it doesn't happen because Butcher writes enough twists and turns into his books that I think he could set it up that it looks like it is going to happen. And then at the last minute, he pulls it back. Yeah, I, I will say this one last thing on the swords. I really hope in the next couple of books that someone finally picks them up, but I'm getting tired of waiting and I'm just going to kind of put it off until oh, it actually does. I accidentally read a spoiler for Skin Game. You're going to be pleased. Don't tell me that. Okay. You're going to hate it, and it's going to be the worst. Oh, I like can't you didn't wait know to... that Skin Game was a game, was a book you were going to like. I can't Stop wait it. to read Skin Game. I hate it. <laughs> anyway, so we've, your life we've, is so hard. I know. So we've talked about everybody else. Can we please talk about Molly now? We have not talked about everybody else, we, but yes, we can talk we, we about pretty Molly. much talk. I mean, we've gone around the loop. We've talked about Karen. We've talked about. We have we not don't talked have about. To talk about everybody. Before we have we not talk talked about, Molly, about Thomas. Let's talk about Molly. I just want to. I want to talk about the the new power structure in the fake courts and oh, so you don't want to talk about molly you want to talk about specifically i want to talk about molly i do think the winter lady okay, i want it well there are very many layers to unpack there but. <laughs> well because first of all at the beginning of this book molly has kind of started to get her life together yeah in in much the, the same way that lily was Right, but she right. like she had an apartment. She kind of had to deal with what the Norwegians. I want to call them the Swedes, but I think that's because I just watched the Umbrella Academy. Well, they're they're Nor- Svartalves are Norse mythology. Yeah. So the Svartalves. That's that's what I was looking for. And so she's got like this apartment. She's more or less like the White Council's more or less leaving her alone. She has her friends that she can work with. I love that she's the one that saves Harry from the tiny elves because she has like all of these cats that pop up just makes me so happy and then so i just find the ending really tragic but we don't have to jump to the ending right now is what it tragic? did you want to say about it i found it a little bit tragic why uh i just i don't know i wanted something else for her i don't know what i wanted for her but i just i i hate that this happened and she didn't really get a say in it i know she was groomed for it yeah but this particular thing that happened was just kind of like oh Hey, and I like, I feel badly because somebody's going to have to tell her parents. And it's it's one of those things. I am not a parent, 
but it's, oh, I don't even know how to go into this. It's hard to see my friends go through lives that they didn't expect that are just kind of thrust upon them. Sure. Like things that just sort of happen. Like I, I was talking to, this is a lot of a lesser example, but I was talking with a friend of mine on Monday who was laid off because her job was not essential. And she was talking about like just the depression and everything that she's been going through as she's been trying to adjust because this, she thought her life was going one certain way and then she loses her job and is like, I have no money coming in. I have no insurance. She found out she has discovered several of her friends who she thought were really supportive, close friends who apparently are not so much because she's been through this experience and she was and like, you know, after three weeks, they were like, so do you have a new job? Oh, you're still depressed. Really? You know, it's just. Oh, nice. That's yeah. Good. Right. Those are the friends you want. So I'm glad yeah. that she discovered those people. Um, but I don't know. I just I don't like change. But I also <laughs> don't. I just I don't know. I worry. I, I think Molly's experience is the most for lack of a better word, poignant aspect of all of the change to me, mainly because she had it thrust. She was wrong place, wrong time. She had it thrust upon her and, and she was more than that. She was manipulated to be in that position. I mean, Molly is definitely the person who would take something like that and make the best out of it. Yeah. But still, it's just like, ah, okay. I don't know what to do. Uh, we're going to come to that in just a second. Uh, well, Ken's, Ken's pointing at something. I'm we're pointing gonna, at the email. We're going to we're going to get there. I know exactly what you're getting. Yeah. Oh, I, I, well, I figured since we were here, we could talk about that, too. But I, I I feel like Molly's. Well, I there's some interesting things. What about, I want to talk about Molly is, is partially in the email, but I, I think that she has a, a good opportunity to make something of this you know what i mean well and it's it's cool that she and harry are kind of in this together where she's the winter lady and he's the winter knight oh here was sorry support each other and take care of each other here was one of my questions that we didn't get to in the recap okay how does the power dynamic change now that molly's the boss (laughs) uh i i think it's going to be interesting because i don't think molly has come into her power enough to be the boss yet but i also think that there's something really fascinating about that power structure um, let me, let me come back. Let's, let's come back to that Okay. because I think that there are some, there are some indications both by, uh, mother winter, mother summer and by Mab that give us a clue that maybe there's something a little different in this relationship than we had thought. But I, I want to, I want to stay on Molly for a second. Okay. When we, when we looked at Molly, uh, as we were walking through all of the, all of the pieces, and I love the fact that Mab takes some time and says, Look what you did. All I did was follow your lead because you appeared to have given me an indication that this was going to be a good plan. You inspired her curiosity. You didn't discourage it. You allowed her to experiment. And then when she needed you most, you jumped in to provide assistance and salvation. And then... You abandoned her, but abandoned her in a way that made her responsible for tremendous secrets and for tremendous responsibility. I don't agree with that. And I do not agree with Mab at all. But I continue. understand. I understand. Continue. But but Mab lays out this this grand idea of how Harry needs to absorb the guilt of what was going on. Now I look at that and I go, oh, okay, 
from a, a twisted, psychotic, kind of not quite human perspective, yeah. I can see how that would fall into place. And that's how the she works. So that's how they interpreted it. Right. But I also look at all of these pieces and say to myself, okay, what if anyone else that had not been through the things that Molly had been through had not been raised with a knowledge of what power is really about, mm -hmm. had not been raised with an understanding of how precious human life is and of how important it is to keep family close and together? What if she had not been tutored by a wizard who was careful about helping her discover the gentler parts of the power? Destruction is easy, but all of these other finer uh, more finessed powers are difficult to control. And yet she has now made tremendous use of them, mm -hmm. perhaps helping her understand the finer subtleties of managing power that she will have to learn that obviously Maeve never did. Giving her an opportunity to be resistant to the drive and the pull of winter in the same way that Harry has learned and is learning to resist the drive and pull of winter. What if it yeah. were anyone else? Sarissa, obviously, Mab, was grooming Sarissa to be ready to step into to that take mantle. Maeve's place, yeah. And she was doing it by helping Sarissa have human experiences, the same kinds of human experiences that Molly experienced just mm -hmm. as she was growing up. Mm -hmm. I'm looking at, and now again, I'm not saying Mab's a, a, a wonderful person. What I am saying is that Mab is obviously a grandmaster of human of human pieces on the, her chessboard and recognizes that you don't waste good. And Molly is one of the best that could have possibly been available for this moment. It's true. It just concerns me that Harry throughout this entire book is fighting the mantle of the winter night and like the cold and the sexual drive and all of the, you the know. fierce animal. Yes. Everything is and primal. where, you know, he has these thoughts where he's like, yeah, the, or the, who, I can't remember who he has the conversation with where they're talking about Lily and he realizes that because Aurora was a hideous person and he's like oh at some point Lily is going to have all of that encroach upon her Aurora was the summer lady that yes. Harry killed yeah yeah, yeah, and, yeah right. okay no I'm, I'm trying to remember who it was I think it was in the garden um it, I, yeah it, where it, where when, he's like oh so eventually Lily is like that's gonna overtake Lily and like we know now that it was the dark spirit that overtook Aurora and right. so that's that really made it worse um but I, I still just, that's another thing that kind of makes me sad with um, Molly becoming the Summer Lady. Because I'm like, oh, there are going to be a lot of things that are just kind of the power is going to overtake in her. And she's going to change in that way as well. Like, it won't overtake her entirely because she still has her free will. But um, well, there, there are going to be pieces there that are just. You want to bring up the email? Thrust upon her even more. Yeah. Do you have it right there? I don't. I, uh, I don't have it in front of me. I will pull it up, but while I'm pulling it up, I I felt was I the only one that actually gave an audible when Yay. when yeah. Maeve shot Lily? No, you were not. <laughs> oh no, I saw that coming out of nowhere. And no, when she and in fact, I was thinking that she was going to shoot Sarissa. I was I was seeing I was seeing or Sarissa Harry. be shot. Yeah, uh, and then yeah, Lily gets shot, and I'm like, what the. <laughs> <laughs> 
that was really cool and unexpected. I, I may have said some things in my car that I normally don't say very many places. Uh-huh. We believe that. <laughs> yeah. There you go. <laughs> so so this email is from Thomas. Oh. And you, you need not read the entire thing, but read a couple. I don't of, have the rest. Read enough of it. But I, I want to read. A, yeah, enough. There's one aspect of this book series that we really disagree on, Molly Carpenter, and I want to get your take on it, but I had to wait for you guys to finish Cold Days. Over the last couple of podcasts, especially Todd, all of us, but especially Todd, have brought up how Jim Butcher always gives character choices and how they're always responsible for those choices. And for the most part, I agree, except when it comes to Molly. I believe that Molly is a choiceless character pulled around by other people's choices and decisions. This viewpoint I have on her is one that frustrates me to no end because I want to like her, but I can't because she's not her own person. Then he offers several points um, when she's nearly executed by magical law that she has no knowledge of and really is only given the choice to be apprentice to Harry. That was that was a choice not made by her as he yeah, sees it. I, I could see that. Then in changes where Harry and Molly erase the memory of staging his own murder, that uh, we can say that Molly had the choice to not perform magic, but I find it extremely unlikely that Molly was ever going to say no to any request Harry made. Probably true. This causes her great trauma and leads her right into the next piece, which is the ragged lady and ghost story. Now she's traumatized and under the tutelage of the Lananchi, who is, of course not at all controlling or domineering uh, sarcasm. <laughs> so, and then Molly goes on to kill several unrighteous individuals or lead to their deaths. And Harry's example in the past might've contributed to that. But the Lenanchi is obviously a huge factor that has turned Molly into who she is at this point and who she will be. And then he gets to the last point where she is dragooned into being the winter lady through no fault of her own, just through being manipulated into the right place at the right time. Uh, she has absolutely no choice in this matter, and everything that makes her a candidate has come from the influence of everyone else around her, not herself. Mab even states this to Harry when he threatens her. I personally hate and despise Mab with every fire of my being. <laughs> That's another discussion for another day. These are my arguments. My one hope is that Molly, out of love for her friends and family, will be able to pick up Amarakius of her own choosing, and the sword's magic will break all the previous enchantments on her. That'd be cool. What do you guys think? I, I think that would be interesting, but I think that this goes back to when we were talking about having choices thrust upon you. Mm -hmm. She may not have had all of these experiences. This is, this is me just responding to the email because I think he's got a point, but only up to a degree. And the degree is that everybody has life forced upon them. Yeah. And the point of living is not everything going in lockstep perfection with what you expect or hope or plan for it to be L living is what happens in your reaction to those choices. And I think this is the same for her. It, yeah. She didn't intentionally mean to do black magic, but she did. And now she's got to live with that. And the white council's tactics on dealing with that are draconian to say the least, but at least Harry was there to save her. And she didn't have to become the ragged lady, but she was traumatized. Yes, but she's that's how she's dealing with the trauma. Everything is a reaction to how her situation is coming at her, not really manipulating her necessarily. I mean, and that's the case for all of us. We're all creatures who are made out of the experiences that we have. And it's true that Molly, more than a lot of others in this series, um does seem to have like these things do seem to come to her yeah i mean she's um, she's dealt a lot of raw cards there's no doubt she has um but i i think she handles it really well most of the time so the the question that the question that comes up and that it that thomas is bringing up i think 
is reflective of another question that is brought up in the toward the end of the book, and that is the question of free or bound. Uh, Maeve yeah. makes a point to Mab that she is free. She can do whatever she wants. Mab is bound. She has to have the mantle of the Winter Queen, and as a result, the responsibility to hold the outlet the outsiders away, to hold them at bay, and to use all of her power to do so. And Maeve is saying, I don't have to do that. I can do anything I want. And the reason that I can do anything I want is because the adversary, the nemesis, whatever, has... You has, said the name! I said the name, but you have to say it three times. The... the <laughs> I saw Megan ready to say it, too. No, no, no. I have, I, have, I have another thing, but that you finish your thing the, because it's not really related. The, you know, Maeve is running around saying, I have choice, I have choice, I have choice. Everyone has choice. Not everyone may have the options that they want. Mm -hmm. And in many cases, a single choice may preclude tremendous amounts of options. But all of Butcher's characters have choice. Molly yeah. makes choices. She makes choices based on the consequences of lots of things going on around her. Some of them her choice, some of them other people's choices. And because we're following Harry, we see Harry's choices as much more about him being volitional of yeah. what he chooses. And we wind up seeing Karen getting fired from her job in a similar kind of a situation because she decided to help Harry getting dragged into one of Harry's messes. And because she was doing that, she got fired. Well, we can make the same point for Karen then. Yeah. Well, or Harry, Thomas. It, yeah. Becoming all, becoming one hundred percent embraced, embracing his monster, his demon, because Harry made a choice that the Skinwalker then took advantage of. We yeah. we could make that case for all of the people around Harry, except for some of the larger characters. We can't make that necessarily for uh, Blackstaff McCoy. We can't make that for Mab. We can't we can't say that for some of those other characters. But we can say that for just about anybody who follows Harry in any in any way, shape, or form that we're seeing them react while we're seeing Harry act. The reality is that they have choices. And in most of the cases, they're taking responsibility for the choices, mm -hmm. even though those choices might be limited in the kinds of options that are available to them or the attractiveness of those options. Yeah. Molly could have had a choice. Let, let's pretend for a second that at the end of the Chitsunitsa affair, Molly couldn't stand to see any of the people around her anymore. She has a choice she can leave Chicago and try to start a new life. She doesn't leave Chicago. She makes a choice. As a result of making that choice, she has to deal with the fact that she still can't see all those people. So she gets to make a choice. She can live on the streets or she can find another way to try and deal with her trauma. Like you were saying, Ken, she has a choice. They may not be pretty options yeah. that are available to her. And I think that is part of Butcher's genius in the way that he writes it because I think he's trying to help us understand that just because we see ourselves making good and noble choices doesn't mean that all of those good and noble choices are going to have good and noble outcomes for the people around us. And we yeah. doggone well better think them through. And it doesn't mean that somebody else's choice isn't going to derail us along yeah. the way. So right. while I agree very much that Molly has some really poor sets of circumstances, I don't see her as a choiceless character. She, yeah. She no. could have... She's not a damsel in distress. She's not. She could have very easily... In fact, 
Harry knows that she's up on top of the uh, on on top of mm-hmm. the the island on top of the the hill on the island, but she could have chosen to be someplace else. Yeah, right. But she didn't, and she didn't because Harry has taught her that with power. Oh, I'm not believe I'm going to uh, say this. Say um, it, Ben Parker. <laughs> with power comes responsibility, and with great power comes great responsibility. So she knows that she needs to be there to help out just in case. And because other people manipulate the situation around her, then she winds up getting a new set of circumstances that now she gets to make a new set of choices about. And I will say, I did read Cold Case, and it it's about Molly, like it's Molly's first mission as the Winter Lady. And that's all I'm going to say about it. But it's it's kind of fun to get to know a little bit more about the world of Faye and how Molly starts out in there. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be fun to read it that. Was fun. But I think that, I think that also brings us to a, a place where I want to talk about this power structure between Harry and Mab and yeah. the winter ladies or the winter lady and the mothers. And well, yeah. And the Southern and the summer counterparts and the, and each. the counterparts. by the way, Kip Tan brought up on, on discord. And I thought I wanted to throw this out. Just how long can Titania hold a grudge against Harry? Holy cow, it's been ten years. And I thought, yeah, it's been ten years, but for her daughter. But in but in Faye time, ten years is nothing. For like half an hour. Yeah, yeah. That's nothing. It's her daughter. Yeah. Forever. Yeah. yeah. And I, I love when Harry has that moment when he realizes, Oh, okay, I can I can like Mab doesn't actually really want me to kill Maeve. This is actually stomach of something else, and right. it starts really putting things together. Uh yeah, and yeah. and there's a difference between knowing that something must be done and doing it. Well, yeah. and it's I, you're right. Like it's interesting that we have this dynamic where there always has to be a crone and a mother and a maiden. Yes. And, you know, when one of them, when one is gone, another takes her place because like we've learned that the winter court is in charge of guarding the outer gates and the summer court is in charge of making sure the winter court doesn't get out of control. And you have Fix and there's a conversation at some point where they're like, yeah, basically the summer night is just there to make sure that the winter night doesn't go crazy. And and I think this is I, I think this is really kind of interesting too because uh, again, going back to the idea of the power structure. Mm-hmm. Mother, I think it's Mother Winter and Mab both make mention when Harry stands up to them. Mm-hmm. They both make mention well, maybe you're worth the trouble yeah. after all. Right. Yeah. I think there's much more power in the winter night, especially power in the winter night who happens to also be a wizard yes. than anybody is giving credit for. Now, I'm not saying... Uh, Harry, Harry says that Mab outclasses him, you know, by a figure of 10 or by, you know, significant numbers. And right. that the old ladies, the the mothers, outclass the queens by factors of astronomical measure. Right. And yet, he stands up to them. Mm-hmm. There's some really power. Again, this comes back to this idea of will and choice. 
We heard that being talked about earlier, will and choice. I felt like they beat me over the head with it in this book, I'll yeah, be honest. But, but continue my, your thought. But my goodness, I think it's important because yeah. as dawn finally breaks over Beachy Head, so does it sometimes occur to us that the lessons we've been hearing are lessons we need to work with. Harry has choice because he has a will mm-hmm. and he can use his will to prevent himself. I think he and Thomas have a conversation uh, right after he comes back and, and Thomas says, you know, you could have come to me. And he said, well, what would I say? How would, how would you have helped? He said, you mean helping you understand how to deal with a monster that you have inside your heart all the time and that you have to always be on guard so that you don't accidentally hurt the people you love and lose control and destroy the world. Yeah. I wouldn't know anything about that. Would I? And then Harry goes, duh. (laughs) I I thought, I thought that was just such a fantastic, the, the, relationship between harry and thomas yeah was it was what we only got a brief you know part of one chapter with it but it was just fun it was it was embraced the brotherhood for for lack of a better word it was cute harry talks and harry talks along the way about all of the things that he was able to do tapping into winter's power and that it was astounding to him that he was able to do stuff but then he gets to the point where he embraces winter's power and it astounds him what, what more he is able to do I think there is more connected with what that means to have that power and that part of the reason that it makes a difference to have a wizard have that power is because the wizard has a lifetime with which to master it. Mm -hmm. I think also having the knowledge that his will is free will go a long way to him channeling the full measure of that power. That's something that Lloyd Slate didn't understand. He He was just some thug. He was some he was awful in life and when he was given the mantle he was awful and so it was just going to amplify his base instincts and desires and harry like that ken i think are generally noble yeah generally Generally. yes harry has a moral compass and it may not be everyone else's moral compass but he definitely has a moral compass that he tries so hard to follow let's be fair harry fits with winter he really yeah. does. Even though fire was his main weapon, he really does fit as a personality with winter. And, yeah. and I think that as we look back at these books, we're going to find that the, that the, the grooming of Harry to become the winter knight, you know, we all kind of, we all kind of saw it when he became the, the ambassador or the, uh, the envoy for winter. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that the grooming for Harry to become the winter knight started a lot farther back than that and i think there's more to the grooming that's going on right now than we are aware of there was a piece of me that was kind of annoyed that like winter was the grumpy old lady and like the battlers and the hunter because i i just the more i think about it i had a conversation with somebody else a while ago about frozen the movie frozen Mm. yeah and how it's supposed to be based on hans christian Andersen's the snow queen right uh where the snow queen is the villain Yes. In right. Anderson's book yes. story. Um, and so it's like the Snow Queen is so often the evil character. And then in Frozen, they're like, no, Elsa's the cool one that everybody wants to be. And I'm like, no, she's still kind of the villain. And so, <laughs> like, there's there's a piece of me that kind of wanted Jim Butcher to do something else. But Butcher is so good at taking mythology, like known mythology, um, and putting it into his stories in a way that just makes it. And also, like, it's something that we can be comfortable with and be like, oh, yeah, the Winter Queen. Of course she's the bad guy because she's always the bad guy. That's kind of awesome. Right. 
don't know. Also, they said Mab all over the place, like more than three times in one conversation. And I was like, so I guess you have to actively summon her, but well, only we saw, sometimes? Yeah, we saw the we saw it at the end. I mean, you have to say it kind of deliberately and in the right order, I Okay, cause when Harry, because when Harry, you know, runs into the Earl King during Turncoat, Small Favor, I don't know, one of those books. It, changes. Was, it was in Changes. He runs, Yeah. when, when did they go to Chitsunitsa? I don't know. There's yeah, so many books, changes. you guys. We've read them really fast. Um, he runs to the Earl, and like he says Mab's name twice just in the conversation. The Earl King is like, don't say that again because she might just show up. Is that because they were in the fairy realm? I, that would, I would be like my guess, rules. but I don't know. I would also like to know the rules. <laughs> uh, where was I? I had a thought and now it's Oh, I'm sorry. About the, the Winter Queen being evil? Oh, it was this. There was a question on Discord talking about... It, did you find it interesting the names that Harry used to summon Mother Winter? Yes. Did anybody else catch that? I don't remember. He called her Atropos and he called her Skulled, which if anybody is... And got Iron a, Teeth. And Iron Teeth, but that was after he he summoned her. But if anybody is, is has a passing familiarity with Greek mythology or Norse mythology, oh. Atropos and Skulled are one of the three aspects of fate. Yes. So it leads me to think, does that mean that, to not Titania, uh, Mother Summer is Clotho, maybe? Perhaps. And I don't remember the, I don't remember the first aspect of fate in Norse mythology, but that led me to think, who is the third aspect? Would it be, maybe it would be the Wild Fae, and the Earl King is the third aspect of, well, I don't, I, I feel like the Earl King is on the level of Mab and Titania. So Probably. I, I, I'm totally grasping at straws. I have no clue what the fae power structure looks like. So sure. maybe the wild fae is the present because the hunt is now and consuming. And oh, could be. that's just my guess. I don't know. But it's, it, feels like, it feels like that's the way it goes. Is summer is the beginning, the renewal. Wild is now and winter is the... And, the and there's not always clear overlap between all of the different mythical systems sure. that exist, but certainly there is enough overlap in some of these that I think that there's some similarities that get to be explored. Sure. One of the things that I wanted to ask a question about, if we've if we've got a little bit of time, is Kringle. <laughs> and he, Harry has said previously that Santa Claus is real, and I'm so happy that we got to meet him, and he's so cool. He's so cool. And also, he is also Odin. Now, see, that's the question that I want to ask. What I'm wondering, as as we're as I was reading through this, is was Odin putting on a mask to be Kringle, to allow him to help guide this process through, for the benefit of all mankind? Because remember, Odin's concern has always been for the protection of the realms, right? And cannot allow the realms to be destroyed, right? And by if if the if the the horrible nightmares that are being that are locked away on demon reach were released it would damage all of the realms so it makes sense to me that odin would be there to try and help it also makes sense to me because odin is always in disguise when he is mm -hmm. on when when he is on midgard mm -hmm. right but my question I, I guess my question for myself was is he truly kringle or is Kringle a mask that he wore for the period of time of 
Halloween just at this time. That was another prevailing theme is everybody's masked. Everybody, everybody a has mask. a mask. Everybody Halloween. has a past and everybody has a mask. That's interesting. I don't think that he was saying that Odin and Santa Claus are the same person, but. Oh, well, I thought I mean, that's what could, they were saying. It could maybe be. That's it okay is. It I'm could wrong. be. That's what you maybe want. it is. I was right earlier. So honestly, I be wrong now. Honestly, I don't know why. Uh, there were so many answers that could be plausible to something like that. So there is there is enough there, there is enough uh, mythology to explore that perhaps there's some kind of a connection that we haven't discovered yet that Butcher has. Maybe everybody else is out there listening to this right now and going, "Oh my gosh, don't you guys know where to look on the yeah. web to find this yeah. stuff?" But, you know, wherever you are and whatever you're looking at, whatever kind of a conniption fit or stroke you're having, please calm down. Send us a message on Discord. We'll look it up and we'll be more <laughs> informed. But as I as I read that, what it, what it what it did for me, it did two things for me. The first one, of course, the first thing that I was thinking when he said, when he, when he meets him the first time and he says, but you're Santa Claus. And he says, well, there are even wizards who grew up without knowing me as Santa Claus. And I thought to what? myself, okay, so Krampus... Uh, <laughs> was that what we needed to worry? Because if Kringle has been a being of fairy and if winter fairies are always more about death and destruction, that would make some sense. That was a little bit freaky to me. Yeah. But then to have him at the end say, we're not always what we seem to be. We're wary. We all we wear are masks. able. Yeah. He, he gives him the, the hint for dealing with being the winter night through future books, I think is that we are all capable of removing our mantle for a time. Yes. Harry would have to be very careful of doing that because he might find himself in a wheelchair. If oh, he did. geez. No for kidding. That. Right. But I think he, I think it also gives him an indication that, that our past brings us to our present and our present then becomes something different. And our future is also unknown. Yeah. So we come with baggage we come with past, we come with history, but we put on masks that allow yeah. us to change who and what we are, how we are perceived. We do that all the time. I I, I, I kind of wish that that was a theme that Butcher had spent some more time in this book on mm -hmm. about disguises and masks and mantles and, and all of the things that go along with that. Because as human beings, that's something that we do. Mm -hmm. When I'm here with you guys, I am different. I wear a different mask. I wear a different mantle than I do with a lot of the people that I work with. A lot of them expect me to behave in a particular way and, and, and respond to particular kinds of situations with a particular kind of attitude and, and whatever. And there are times that I want to look at them and say, you guys are stupid. This is what's <laughs> really going on. But I also recognize that in that place at that time for the mask and mantle that I wear, it would be totally inappropriate. As human beings, we're very comfortable putting on and taking off masks. Why yeah. should it be any different for the she? Absolutely. Before we leave Santa, can we just Santa. can we just talk about the punching for one second? That was my favorite part. The, oh. the whole the whole, every chapter with the the wild hunt was my favorite in this book. Yeah. With re, with respect to uh, the question that was asked on Discord about naked Harry versus Fix being the best fight in the book. <laughs> yeah. Harry versus Kringle. I was living for this. This is one of my favorite alternate fantasy tropes that that I've loved for a long time. And that's Santa as the badass. You know, yep. I I love him as the jolly fat man who comes along with a twinkle in his eye and he, and, you know, laughs and is 
belly shakes like a bowl full of jelly and all that, but I love the Santa who can throw down. I love it oh, yeah. in every aspect. And so when he shows up at the very beginning and then inevitably you knew this was oh, going you knew to happen. It was yeah. You knew it you knew was, it was coming. coming. And when it comes, it does not disappoint. It is and so hunt. Well, it, it's so fun to watch him toe, go toe-to-toe with Santa and Santa's just laying him out. And, and then he wins and he... He he takes, he takes the, the wild. The, well, he takes he takes the Captain Kirk options. Like there's always another way. I don't like to lose, and so instead of instead of join hide or or die, it's no. You guys can join me, and now it is game on. Yeah. <laughs> and, and oh, geez, I'm sorry. I'm getting a little no. Well, and giddy so here cool because it's just so of, much fun. It's it's so cool with the visuals of like Harry joins the Wild Hunt, and all of a sudden the motorcycle. That he was riding on. Yeah. Is Turns now, full ghost rider. Yeah, yeah. Is now, I was never clear. It's a jaguar? A, a cougar, tiger. Yeah. Tiger, some kind I don't of, know. Some, some kind, kind of, of a, amazing cat. Some kind of killer cat. And then like all of the changelings are able, once they get to the water, all of a sudden they're dolphins. Yeah. Yes. They just, ugh, everything thrown down. I always felt so like fun. there was a more than animosity a kindred spirit between the earl king and harry and a mutual respect there and i think that he did a good job of amplifying or or nurturing i guess that respect a little bit by respecting the earl king's nature yes in the sense that hey i won i'm not going to disrespect you i'm going to give you the opportunity to have the best hunt of your life yeah let's go get him and i'll and i'll tell you what reading what that battle sounded like on those ships <laughs> that's know. one i want to see on screen right this idea of of these uh of these ghostly apparitions moving in a circular motion so that every time they come down they slash a little bit more about uh, on the on the barges and this thing just keeps rolling around i i had in my mind it was like a massive tilt-a-whirl mm-hmm. that had knives and swords just coming out of it on all angles and i'm like you know, I'd be pretty freaked out if I saw that. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, once Harry had the wild hunt behind him, I was like, okay, maybe they have a chance. Yeah. Now I can finally see maybe they can win this. That's amazing. And then they head to the island, and which, again, is a prison, apparently. Yeah. Yeah. And you know at some point that's going to blow up and they're going to have to deal with it. And I'm like, maybe that will be the last book. Well, like what, what has to happen exactly that makes warden heron warden harry say letting these guys out is preferable to what's about to happen yes oh do the outside do the outsiders have to breach the gates does something bigger than scarier than the outsiders have to appear maybe i don't know i don't know um i don't understand what you guys are talking about with time travel i did not get that from this book at all he talks about it briefly in the very beginning of the book. In fact, he talks to Odin about it in the very first third of the book, how something is funneling power into into defeating the island's safeguards, which will either release the demons right. or trip the safeguard, thereby leaving a Midwest-sized crater in the earth. And that the, and that the person that laid that, all of those pieces in place was Merlin, and he did it in the past, but he also did it in the future, and he did it in the present. He laid, yeah, he did it okay. in several different 
installments. He I did it at the part. same place. I thought place, it was like a dimension but shift, but at different kind of times. Okay. Well, and they also talked about there. There was a there was a gentle time travel that Harry and Kringle do when they open up the Wild Hunt. Yeah, and a fog comes across and makes them speed up. So that they go, and you remember he talks about the red shift and the blue shift mm-hmm. that he saw, the the Doppler shift that right. occurs when you uh, approach relatives, relativistic speeds. That was that was one of those moments where I'm reading that and I'm like, oh, I know exactly what happened. <laughs> <laughs> and and there was there was nobody around me, hallelujah, because I said it out loud, and I, and and I'm thinking, I'm really glad there's nobody here. I just thought it was hilarious that that the Earl King pointed out to or pointed out specifically to Kringle that this temporal manipulation thing is his expertise because that's always one of the arguments that anti-Christmas people say. They're like, well, how could Santa get around the earth all in one night? Temporal paradox. Temporal, temporal paradox. Mani- temporal also manipulation. called magic, people. Not all, kids are cri- not all kids believe in Santa Claus. Also called let it go, people. Come on. And, yeah. you know, let's be fair. He's Kringle now, but what was he before? I will say butchers... Wow. His send up on time travel or time manipulation was better than most that I've read because it's not just a let's go back to 1985 and fix this and that. It's a the farther away you get from the point you're trying to manipulate will become more reliable, unreliable. So it's basically we're talking about a matter of a couple of days or seconds or moments. And it's not one of those 1963. We're going to affect something in 2019 and it's going to be this. And his his description, too, about the idea of the inevitability of certain kinds of events the yeah. idea that a paradox really isn't that much of a paradox because of the inevitability factor uh i really I, I got a kick out of that that was a that was a nice touch that i think will be used again but i'm going to come to that in just a minute uh are we at, are we at that point where we can talk about my teas yes we're at about an hour so okay here's my question do we want to continue for can we continue for 10 more minutes and make it a little bit longer or do we want to cut it and do a I, second episode? I'm good for 10 minutes. I don't think we have yeah, another hour. I don't think hour. we have another hour. I don't think we it. do either. Okay. Hopefully, Sorry, our, fans. hopefully our listeners are going to enjoy this last 10 minutes. So, I don't know so my tease that, that I said, I, I think there is a, I think Jim Butcher's making a, an awful lot more statements about a duality nature that needs to be addressed is man and woman. Oh yeah, oh. and there's a there there are a couple of moments where he's absolutely blatant about the whole deal. The quote where he says, uh, "Where he says when women have a conversation, they're communicating on five levels. They follow the conversation that they're actually having, the conversation that is specifically being avoided, the tone being applied to the overt conversation, the buried conversation that is being covered only in subtext, and finally the other person's body language." When I and most other people with a Y chromosome have a conversation, we're having a conversation. Singular. We're paying attention to what is being said, considering that, and replying to it. All these other conversations have been going on for the last several thousand years. I didn't even know they existed. I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one. So ladies, if you ever have some conversation with your boyfriend or husband or brother or male friend, and you are telling him something perfectly obvious and he comes away from it utterly clueless... I know it's tempting. Uh, I know it's tempting fate to think to yourself, the man can't possibly be that stupid. But yes, he can. <laughs> I love that. I, 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 I wrote I, that down yeah, too. I really wanted can. to take that to my wife and say, "See," but I thought, "No, probably not a good idea to do yeah. that on this particular day." Yeah. You can guess why. But having having looked at that, that's not the only place that he kind of touches on this as we move throughout 
all of this book. He talks about the possibility of having a relationship with Karen. Mm -hmm. And Karen very astutely says, but Molly's the winter lady. And she's going to need you. I don't know how, but that's a factor. The winter night and the winter lady are together. Now, they may not be together in the way that we think about marriage and relationships and all of those kinds of things, but Molly, who has always wanted to be with Harry, who has been carrying a torch for Harry since we first ever saw Molly, now has an opportunity to be with Harry from a different level, a level of equality, and a level that requires her to understand her powers differently than Harry while he's learning all about his too. They're on equal footing. They're both in the winter court. And it wouldn't surprise me at all if we're going to get an opportunity to explore even more about this dual nature, man and woman, the fact that we see things differently, the fact that we respond to things differently, and the fact that just because we do doesn't mean that one is preferable to the other, that in fact, they probably need each other. And I, now, if Butcher was not trying to say all of that and I'm reading into it, wouldn't be the first time that I was reading something into a book that wasn't (laughs) really supposed to be there. But I found that to be a really powerful piece. And when I, as we all know, I'm always looking for level three stuff as we move through any of the reading that we do. And family has been a big issue for Harry all Mm -hmm. the way along. Well, this time it may not necessarily have been so much family that I was finding as I read through this, but the importance of understanding that what you do impacts the people around you and that sometimes in order to make sure that you do the right thing, you better have someone that you can rely on that can balance you. And perhaps in this particular case, Harry and Molly being able to help balance each other against the power of winter that they're both going to have to deal with. That they're both going to be learning i mean yeah, harry harry knows nice. a little bit about it he's been working on it for the last three months or so but well three months or 24 hours it's interesting to think out of the knights and ladies now fix is the senior person <laughs> he's been there for no, 10 years true. and, and the other three are pretty much brand new and not probably very happy at the moment no he's gonna be upset about that for a long time is he gonna be how upset is he gonna be at harry you know, I don't I, I don't know that it's going to be directed at Harry, but I think that it's not going to help matters very much. And certainly Titania is not going to be pleased. No. But I think when I think when we also look at all of this, that's kind of the way that it's supposed to be. You know, the 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 warriors are always the ones who have difficulty in times of peace. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't surprise me at all then that winter being the ones who have to be the warriors, have to be reminded that when they come into the mortal realm, they need to behave. And that's what the Summer Fae seem to do. They seem to be the ones to remind the Winter Fae that if you're in if you're in the mortal realm, you have a different level of responsibility. Harry's kind of taken that on himself mm-hmm. to relieve some of winter, or excuse me, some of summer of having to do that by his announcement at his birthday party. <laughs> and I don't know about you guys, but the the moment where he says, never 
Are you allowed to hurt a human being while you're in my presence? No tolerance, sub-zero tolerance. And the guy comes up and says, am I to understand? And then he says, Infriga! Awesome. <laughs> it explodes. And I'm like, okay, that's kind of how you end a party. Ice magic yeah. was it's always so cool. It's his birthday party and he'll explode people if he wants to. There you go. I and, love and, and everybody accepted it. Yeah. yeah. No one said anything about it. Everybody yeah. left it alone. It was fine. Okay, we're running we're running low on time, but I want to bring up one more thing that came up several times on Discord. Wondering if this becoming the winter lady is basically the death this in air quotes death of Molly. Meaning uh Ashiman mentioned uh, Molly becoming less interesting after donning the mantle. I also somewhat agree Cold Days felt like the death of Molly for me. Hopefully I'm wrong, but it'll always it always seemed to me that she's basically doomed now without hope of redemption. And somebody else mentioned that they're worried that the mantle takes her, overcomes her, takes her over, right. which I think we've talked about. I think we've talked, about, think that we've talked about that. But the one I thought was in terms of writing, does, it, does this make her become less interesting? I think it gives a lot of room for growth for her. Well, and we might, I, in my mind, I think we might see her a lot less, but with Harry being the winter, I, I still hold out hope that Harry is somehow going to get out of being the winter night at some point. Which was another question on discord, by the way, how does he get out of it? And I don't know. I'm not sure that he does anything. I'm not soon. sure that right. he does. I, like, I don't want him to be the winter night for the rest of this series, but what I want and what happens is not always the same. And I feel like he's going to be more accepting of being the winter light night as long as Molly yes. is the winter lady, because yes. he still feels like that. Uh, master Padawan relationship, even though she's the superior officer now. Oh, and she does a wonderful job of proving it by letting him know the little folk are not easily startled. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, and she can talk to Mouse. Yeah. Which yeah. is kind of really awesome. I think there's going to be a lot of interesting things. I, I think Butcher has set us up for some really interesting movement through the next couple of books. And I'm looking forward to moving through them pretty quickly. One one more thing that I wanted to bring up that I haven't yet. Toot Toot and Lacuna. Yeah. Oh, man. I'm going to have fun oh, with that one cute. for a while. Yeah. How cute. I just, Keep... I'm so happy that Toot Toot and his. Toot Toot found love. And his people all got to actually be in a big old battle. Yeah. And be relevant and be awesome. Yeah. Because it's been a long time. Yeah. Yeah, it has. And it was lots of fun. And he it continues was... to grow. This is awesome. All right. I, I don't know if I want to say this on the air. I've got one more thing that I wanted that I want to mention. Ken's really going to hate it, uh -oh. I think. But and maybe everybody is. Maybe everybody is. But I just had a I just started to have a thought. Dangerous and, pastime. And the thought is the thought is this. Harry has talked about the fact that he is familiar with Demon Reach, that the island is familiar with him, that all of these places feel like feels like he knows them. What if Harry is Merlin and he built Demon Reach in his future, but having time traveled back in the past? And maybe that's why when he sees McCoy's journals that were handed down from the Merlin, it's meant to be important for us to understand. I'm conflicted. <laughs> I don't want anything's wanna, possible. I don't want to hate it out of hand. But I don't want to like it either because I, I knew you'd hate it out of hand. But I, and that's I, why I wanted to say it. I will say I don't feel like he is Merlin, Merlin, but I feel like he is set up very well to become the Merlin. Maybe in not the for next couple of books, 
but we have several books to go in this Can series. Can you be the Merlin if you're the Winter Knight? Why not? Oh, I guess that's true. Why I not? Guess we'll find out. I mean, Rashid is the gatekeeper. True. Well, we've had a lot of we've had a lot of conversation. We've also had a lot of questions, and we've got a lot more reading to do before we get to the new ones that are coming out. So, hopefully, all of you have enjoyed the conversation with us. Hopefully, we've given you some things to talk about on Discord and yell at us about. We'll be looking forward to the comments, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>